All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about culture, relationships, dating the world at large from a male and a female perspective. Today, we're talking about waifuism. Uh, if you have a waifu, prepare to get triggered on this podcast because we are coming hard at you. Uh, and we're going to start talking about that at the three-minute mark. Before we get into that, we're going to talk about our sponsors and a few other announcements. So we are sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you would know how long they've sponsored this podcast and how generous they have been. So get yourself some Crush Organics CBD oil slash pain cream slash gummies slash CBD oil for your pets. They've got the full range of CBD oil and CBD oil products. I've been using that pain cream religiously every night. Uh, it does wonders for my back. So go to crushorganics.com. That's crush with a K. Use the code Neil, N-E-E-L, and you get 40% off crushorganics.com. We're also sponsored by uh, Comedy Untamed. I hear the guy who uh, runs this endeavor is quite an asshole, but the shows <laughs> themselves are brilliant. So go to comedyuntamed.com if you live in Sydney, Melbourne. And I'm quietly confident by the time this podcast comes out, Brisbane, either this podcast or next podcast, the wow. first Brisbane show will be on sale. And that will be in July, mid-July on a Thursday and at the Good Chat Comedy Club, which is another great comedy club that you should go visit if you're in Brisbane. And then that will start weekly from August. So we've got the whole East Coast happening. Wow. Comedy shows across all the East Coast and Newcastle, of course, and Geelong. So five cities for you to come see a comedy show. If you live in the West Coast, just get a flight because uh, it's going to be a while before we get some shows going there. Comedyuntamed.com. And uh, if you have a business or a startup or anything that you'd like to advertise on this podcast, we're looking for one or two more sponsors over the next couple of weeks slash months. We're even happy to do a trial period where it's at a very low cost for an ad rate. Uh, we reach quite a lot of listeners every week and it is mainly in Australia, around people around millennial age, a bit younger, a bit older as well. So if you are interested... Uh, you can go to my website, neilcohacker.com, and just contact me there or neil.business at outlook.com and hit us up. So we uh, would love to help grow your brand with our brand. All right, waifuism. This, this one's going to be funny. Let's get into it. Okay, so uh, this was Eliza's idea to talk about. Waifuism. So before we get started on this one, let's talk first about what a waifu is. Do you want to? Do you want to define that? Otherwise, I've got I've got a definition here from yeah. Chat read GPT. the definition out then. Yeah. All right. So this is, a, this is two or three um, small paragraphs here. So according to Chat GPT, waifuism is a Japanese religious movement that emerged in the early 20th century. The term wafu means Japanese style or Japanese way, and ism refers to a distinct belief system or ideology. Waifuism emphasizes the Japanese cultural identity and promotes a return to traditional Japanese values and spirituality. Now, that is not exactly what we're going to be talking about, is it? So I didn't know no. that, but this is actually like the background of what waifuism wow. genuinely really is. is. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, what we're actually talking about is people who fall in love with Japanese anime characters. So they've certainly bastardized this um, religious movement that emerged in the early 20th century. And um, mm. I think maybe Urban Dictionary would have been a better place to find the... Uh, well, uh, it's not even just um, Japanese uh, fictional characters. It's any fictional characters. It stemmed from being highly like anime and things like that. But now waifuism is considered any fictional character and people that it's not just that you really have like crushes or you love. It's like genuine love in love, um, forming relationships with these fictional characters. So the relationships are basically imaginary uh, people will talk to them there's ai apps that they can use to talk to their their loves um, and it goes so far that sometimes people introduce their family to them they get married um, they have shrines to them in their house they carry Jesus. the doll or um, character around in their house they make art of them together um, they do <laughs> deep fakes of pornographic things it's 
very interesting. Um, and it is a massively growing community, which I find the most fascinating aspect as well is how this is becoming not it's becoming so popularized that people are leaning towards this more than trying to find a human real life relationship. So it's interesting as well to think about how this is going to develop when the AI catches up to this trend as well. Yeah. And I have to apologize because I actually typed in and, and I got this wrong, even with the help of chat GPT, I typed in <laughs> Wafuism, which is W-A-F-U-I-S-M. Uh, so there you go. A little fact about uh, something completely not related <laughs> to Wafuism. <laughs> And I uh, made a little typo there. So, you know, even with ChatGPT, human error has uh, ruined the start of this podcast. So, that, But there you go. I didn't know that about that uh, religious movement in Japan. But yes, Eliza is correct. Waifuism, W-A-I-F-U-I-S-M. Uh, people who are so obsessed with a virtual character that they would commit to love them over someone in real life. Uh, not to be confused with Wafuism, W-A-F-U-I-S-M, <laughs> which was what I described at the start of the podcast. So apologies for that. Oh, too funny. <laughs> yeah. A common mistake, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but uh, there you go. I'm sure uh, from now, ChatGPT, anyone who asks that question, ChatGPT will respond like, are you sure you meant this and not this? So, Well, imagine the confusion of people that... The words are so similar. So if you tell someone like I'm really into waifuism or I like subscribe dearly to that, someone might be misinterpreting that completely. They might think you're married to an anime character or they might think you're part of a Japanese religion. So there you go. Interesting that they chose that word. So similar. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar indeed. I got I got um some crazy stories here that just popped up on on Google, in, in 2018, a man in Japan married a hologram of a virtual reality pop star named Hatsune Miku. The man who goes by the name Akihiko Kondo reportedly mm. spent nearly $20,000 on the wedding ceremony and now lives with a doll version of Hatsune Miku. In 2019, a man in China reportedly filed for divorce from his wife because she was not supportive of his love for the anime character Sailor Moon. Oh, God. The mm. man who goes by the name Liu claimed that his wife was jealous of his emotional attachment to the fictional character and had insulted him for it. That's shocking that he's the one to divorce her in that situation and not the other way around. That's, yeah. um, that's saying something. Uh, and then in 2020, a woman in the United States created a TikTok account dedicated to her love for the character Katsuki Bakugao from the anime. I'm, I apologize, I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation of that. From the anime series My Hero Academia, the woman who goes by the username, oh, I can't even begin to attempt to read this, but uh, Kachanin is her best, Kachani's best husband, posted videos of herself performing romantic gestures for the fictional character, such as baking him a cake and writing him love letters. So uh, I'd say uh, it's a digital subculture that is seemingly growing, as you say, mm. and um, it's not a unique attachment to just Japanese or Korean anime characters. It's just any kind of uh, fictional, usually anime character though, right? It's not, does it also include people who might fall in love with a Disney princess or something? Yeah, I've seen someone, so I came across waifuism. I already knew about it, like watched the documentaries about people that marry them, especially in Japan. But I came across this on Reddit when I was on Reddit relationships and someone posted saying his wife is obsessed with this character. I can't remember who it was. Um, and yeah, basically that situation that you described, but completely obsessed. And she was felt feeling disloyal to the character by being with her husband and someone posted the subreddit below saying, hey, you should check Jesus. out this subreddit called Waifuism. So I went onto there. Wow, did I do? I was in there for hours at 2 a.m. in the morning. It's it's fascinating. Um, and there's 60,000 people in this subreddit. And Whoa. a majority of it are people that are in relationships with Japanese anime characters. But there is characters for everyone. I saw someone in love with, you know, De um, Dexter's Lab. The, the, little, the, the real little, life TV show or the, the animated, the little The animated oh, cartoon yeah, yeah. with the little red head with the big glasses that wears yeah. a little lab coat, who's a child, seen that one, seen a woman deeply, deeply in love with Squidward um, from SpongeBob. Like, <laughs> I mean, I got to look, Squidward down. is a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> you know, refined gentleman. 
grumpy man. Yeah, no, he's um, a, you so, wouldn't want to fall in love with SpongeBob. He seems a bit juvenile and childish. He's got his <laughs> stupid friend Patrick, whereas Squidward, that's a... He's a man. Yeah. He's, he's a, a man squid. refined intellectual gentleman <laughs> that lives in... What does he live in? Because I know SpongeBob lives in a pineapple. Pineapple. Squidward. Patrick lives in a rock. Let's I actually got to... I feel like it's something metal. Are you Googling this or do I? I'm going to Google it. Okay. Squidward House. Oh, he lives in like one of those... <laughs> Like a teepee or something. It's a big. It's a big face, and it looks like oh, one of those yeah, faces of uh, from a tiki. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See now that's yeah. so much better than the pineapple. Yeah. And Patrick just lives in a little dome. So look, of of the three, <laughs> if you're going to fall in love with one of them, I think uh, Squidward's the guy to <laughs> to fall in love with. Squidward is the one. Um, so what? I found on this subreddit where it's it is a community of people that are in love with their um, they call them waifus and they post things like general advice like how did you introduce your waifu to your family um, or your friends did you do a when you had marriage did you do a private ceremony just the two of you in your bedroom or did you do like a full on church ceremony and invite people did you have a priest. Um, some, can I ask yeah. what, really quickly, did you get a gauge of whether these were mainly people in say America, Australia, UK? Everywhere. All over yeah, the world? Everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Everywhere. Even Spain, um, literally every, 50% of Reddit is American. I think you told me that maybe, um, but it's highly like American and even the subreddit is so it's fascinating but yeah obviously waifuism is mostly dominated by Asian countries but it's now that it's become like it's not a trend it's just more people learning about it understanding it and you don't know what comes first knowing that this is a thing or falling in love with the character and then finding there's a community for it so yeah it's um it's really interesting so yeah they they ask about marriage they ask about I've seen people, a lot of people be like, I've started falling in in love with a different character. I don't know what to do. I've been with character A for 13 years. We've been loyal, um, but now I'm being tempted. Like general relationship issues and advice is coming through. It's completely fascinating. And most of the daily um, posts are like, post a photo where your um, where your love looks the most handsome or post a photo of your love dressed up and people will post all these photos of their animes. And I even saw one um, woman who was really in love with a character from, I think it was from a video game, and she then, she was like, I really want to marry him, but I feel like it's it might be unethical. I should reach out to the creator. So she reached out to the creator of the video game and posted his reply and um, she said, I was really in love with him. I want to marry him. And he was like, if that pleases you, you have like my permission oh, or, you know, you have my okay. blessing if that ple- if that pleases you. Yeah. Um, very just that one sentence <laughs> was all he replied. And there's what's interesting as well is that, there is um, like etiquette around people have the same waifus within the sub. So people are in love with the same people, but they believe that it's they're different almost. And one thing that I'd noticed coming up, which I found fascinating, was people kept saying, you know, with the intention or speaking about their partners with the intention that one day technology will be so advanced that they will truly be in a relationship with them in real life. So for now Probably. it's via AI or imagination, but soon it's going to be real and they're just waiting. Uh, yeah. I mean, in most of these kind of topics that we talk about and try to be empathetic and understanding and uh, objective, but this, um, I got a lot of judgment for this. This is just weird. I didn't like yeah, even reading about it. I was rolling my eyes. These are adults <laughs> with uh a genuine emotional attachment to a fictional anime character. And as cute and funny as it may seem, imagine if this was a friend or a colleague that you found out was in love with a fictional character and had a shrine for them at home and spent, mm. you know, most of the day just uh, obsessing over a fictional character. I mean, it's borderline, it's borderline a mental illness. Would you agree? Yeah, it's... I think there's a lot of things that it can stem from, which we should we should get into eventually. But 
I think a lot of it can be mental illness or it could be um, social skills. It could yeah. be neurodivergence or I think for most people severe loneliness. And there's, um, there's one guy that listens to this podcast and he knows I love Reddit. So we always send each other like really like interesting or fucked up things that <laughs> we come across on Reddit. And one of them was a story of a guy who was in love with a fictional character and he hadn't told anyone from work it was fictional. He just kept saying my wife for years and years. Um, and he was Ooh. a really well-respected person in his work. And then one day, I can't remember how, I'm just, I read this so long ago, but he let slip that she wasn't real or someone was like, can we meet her or something like that. And he had to explain, actually, it's she's fictional, um, but our relationship is really true and genuine. And then he was writing about how now his work like all his colleagues are really weird to him and like don't feel like he's sound of mind um, and things like that, which is, <laughs> and he just couldn't understand like why are people freaked out by this? Why is this, is this weird? And meanwhile, he's been telling Ooh. his colleagues for six years, my wife and I, this, my wife and I do this. I'm having dinner with my wife. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it, it's interesting that kind of interlap it has in, in their uh, real life and people believe that in order to respect their waifus or their significant others uh, fictional that are fictional that they shouldn't hide them from the world so a lot of people do choose to introduce them to family and friends so I saw one how, mother how you, posted how do you even yeah. do that how do you introduce <laughs> well usually a mother posted actually about her son who was like I think he was 17 and he confessed to her he had a partner but she was fictional and he directed her to this subreddit saying if you want more information about it this is what you should do and she was like what the hell is this I don't understand I've gone through everything I'm even more like I have more questions than answers and then basically she posted an update saying he kept saying he wanted to introduce me but how how do I do that and what ended up happening was they watched the anime show together and she actually did an update saying, like, I understand the characters, like the characteristics of this fictional character that make her seem attractive. She's warm. She's friendly. She's courageous or whatever. Um, I didn't really know what to do, so I just played real. along with it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but to, uh, and it's like, I guess to you and I, we don't, we won't understand the complexities of if it's like, looking after like idolizing after Harry Styles or if it's, you know, these people are saying they have genuine conversations. And I was like, how are they are the conversations occurring in their head? Is and then I came across, like I said to you um before that after I started looking into all of this, my TikTok ads started being for an app I can't remember what it's called, sorry, but they were advertising an app where you can speak to your anime characters and um, the anime characters or your fictional characters, sorry, will send you messages saying like, I love you, I miss you, how was your day? So it feels like you're talking oh. to someone. And then even more fascinating, I found this thing, it's called um, the gate box and it's like this, it's probably – 40 centimetres tall, like a big cylinder, and it's a hologram. And you can put your fictional character as a hologram in it. It blows you kisses. It waves at you. It replies to you. But it's also like functions like an Alexa will. So you can change the lights in your house. When you come home, they turn the lights on for you and they even text you during the day. What are you having for dinner? What time are you coming home? So I've seen videos of people that have their anime character sitting on a table and she's like, 15 centimetres tall, drinking a wine, and he's having a wine with her in real life, and it feels so real. And now apparently uh, this company has created a life-size version of this hologram cylinder <laughs> gate box thing, um, which will be soon be marketed or maybe even already is, so that people will have a life-size version hologram of their anime character directly in front of them. Um, in their home that is turning on their lights, <laughs> putting on music, changing channels on TV. So it feels so much like a relationship. It's like, it's so fascinating. It blows my mind. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, yeah, it's it's shocking. Uh, I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize the extent of it, but I tried to do some rudimentary study on it and I actually found myself getting 
annoyed at it because even the yeah. videos on YouTube that were explaining it were by guys who, yeah, look, I, without being too judgmental, they seemed like people who might struggle with loneliness and they did seem sort of socially awkward. And they were the ones explaining it. They weren't necessarily the ones who had mm. waifus. So uh, maybe I need to reserve judgment a little bit and, and, and look at some of the trends that are happening societally to create um, a phenomenon like waifuism. And I think you're right in saying severe loneliness and potentially yeah, neuro, neurodivergence and uh, just just wanting uh, basic bastions of intimacy when it might not be achievable for them in, in the real world and, and yeah. thus digital intimacy fills that void. And then I assume it's also a social contagion with all the people in these subreddits living in that digital world and, and creating a culture amongst themselves about what are the norms in introducing your waifu to your family and how do you yeah. treat her uh, with respect and, and dignity. And that's actually a pretty fascinating case of a, a digital tribe that could only really yeah. exist with modern technology, creating their own norms and culture and living in a reality that's completely uh, removed from the mainstream or the real world because, as you say, that man who had told everyone he has a wife was then shunned when people found out that that wife was in fact a fictional character and he was shocked by that, whereas most people would think well, that that seems pretty obvious that makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh it says something about echo chambers and uh yeah. it says something about the just the lack of real life intimacy that people are experiencing in uh experiencing and it, it's partly funny partly sad partly mm. gross uh i don't really know how to yeah <laughs> process something like this yeah another thing that's interesting about it was that i thought majority of people would keep it a secret and when someone posted saying how did you have a commitment ceremony or marriage with your um significant they call them significant others and um or waifus and um most people said there was a couple of people that said you know yeah we um did something private just at my home just the two of us me and the fictional character but majority of people had full formal weddings ceremonies, booking hotels, booking churches, Ooh, and they would bring – some people brought like a 10-centimeter figurine. Some people bought those life-size pillows of with the image of their waifu on it, um, really like full extent. So, yeah, that's a, that's a popular one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, some rusty pillows. But, yeah, it's really interesting. And then think about like VR and – hentai um and there's already so much pornographic images of um of like popular cartoons like i saw some on marge simpson which was to me disturbing to see marge simpson pornographic version um the mother the mum from the incredibles she's a popular waifu um, and there's heaps of porn on her. So people can like, and then they think about there's VR. So people can really f real feeling world. like they're fulfilling all of their basic human primal needs. They're getting intimacy, they're getting love, they're getting connection. Um, so I feel that I this falls under, um, what's something called maladaptive daydreaming, which can stem from trauma or mental health issues or severe anxiety, depression, um, but usually trauma, although I have noticed no one's ever spoken to or spoken about trauma that, um, so I wouldn't know, um, from what I've read from people that are in this community, no one's mentioned what their childhood was like, unfortunately for me. Uh, but maladaptive daydreaming is basically when you become so immersed in your daydreams that it becomes disruptive to your real life. So you can create fantasy worlds, people, um, anything you want, and then you, you, you start to almost believe it um, and it's it becomes more fulfilling than being in the present and being in the real world. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it could be very much something that is a mental health disorder that needs to be treated as such. But then is that dismissive to people that just have, you know, they 
really like this character. They get off to this character. They enjoy just imagining being in a relationship with them. And then is that inappropriate to say you have mental mental illness because of it? So it's very complicated and it hasn't really been studied much from what I can see and um, there's not much knowledge about why it's only speculation if it's mental health or loneliness or other things I've come across as well as um, people that are controlling um, in their relationships and being like, I went to, uh, I find my, I, I was driven to wifeism because women in real life kept telling me what to do, kept telling me I wasn't good enough, kept telling me I was unattractive. And now here I have this busty, <laughs> beautiful anime character worshipping my feet, but it's really a projection of his own imagination worshipping him. So it's, um, it, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> But yeah, it is, it is very interesting. It's a fascinating uh, insight into just certain sub, subcultures. Mm. And yeah, I'd imagine in, in many decades they will be studying something like this. Having said that, it could likely get worse with the technology yeah. uh, that, that we're all reasonable to assume will exist in the coming decades. And, uh, you know, along with that, a, a, a real life that is becoming in, increasingly void of meaning and people aren't enjoying their basic existence, well, it, it's fair to assume that this trend would in fact continue. And yeah. that's a scary thought. I was watching a documentary last night, Birth Gap. He was um, interviewed by... Jordan Peterson and Chris Williamson recently, and he's done this documentary about uh, decreasing fertility rates across the world Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like this that are contributing to that. Mm -hmm. But then on the other uh, side of the coin, you can say, well, why are so many people, I'm assuming it's mostly men doing this, although I have heard stories of some women falling in love with. Yeah, I've seen heaps of women, but majority men. interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, Why are so many men falling in love with anime characters. Look, you know, when, when you're a teenager, you, men probably have more of a visual gauge of what they find attractive and look, they, the way they design some of these anime characters and video game characters, yeah, they're, they're arousing, they're attractive. Mm. Um, but to then go on and build an emotional connection with them is quite extreme. Uh, so... Yeah, but what is interesting as well is that women do it in a different way where they don't have that visual thing, but they have fan fiction. Yeah. And it's fan fiction is a hu- another massive, massive community where people get so, like, people on Reddit, uh, um, on Reddit, on, um, what's it called? On Wattpad, which is like a website where people can create their own stories or books for free. People have become published from writing fan fiction of certain movies, characters, I know Harry Styles is especially popular and, and Twilight and things like that. Fifty Shades of Grey was a fan fiction of Twilight, um, the, the spin-off of that basically. And really? it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. They do spin-offs of like Hermione and um, and Malfoy and, and of, from Harry Potter and people get so, hundreds of thousands of people read them and be like, right upload another chapter we need to know what happens like so invested so it is interesting it's um how that may differ within the genders but is a recurring thing anyway that doesn't seem as bad though it's not as though they're having a pseudo intimate relationship with the fictional character i I suppose they're putting themselves in the shoes of someone who might be having that relationship and they're living vicariously through those characters but no it doesn't give me the same visceral reaction of yeah. <laughs> contempt yeah, maybe i got to look into that but uh this yeah. one's hard to yeah like i said i'm i'm, I'm struggling to um look at this objectively and and empathetically i i just if yeah. i had a friend or a brother or something like that who was doing this i'd probably shame them out of it i'd try <laughs> to shame them but um intervention yeah yeah uh there are probably collective issues that are contributing to it what would yeah, you do? What would you do if you say a friend or even I don't know Remy in like fifteen years is like, "Hey, mum, I'm I'm in love with this character." Sailor Moon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I would hope that it passed if he said it um, and think it was a phase and try to get him to socialise a little bit more. Um, but I guess I would be unpacking that. My first question yeah. would be, do you have an issue with women or the opposite gender in real life? Have there been any major experiences of rejection that have given you fear towards reaching out or trying or being romantic? Um, like what, what about, what is more fulfilling about a fictional relationship compared to a real, I want to, you know, a human relationship and if it is things like, well, human relationship talks back and they have their own opinions, and yeah, I find that extremely problematic. But if it stems from something like loneliness, and I was thinking about why is it so popular in Japan and China, and it could very much be linked to the fact that they work such often work such extreme hours. And they, and they and, have the lowest fertility rates all across the yeah, world. Yeah, and women are choosing more and more to be sing, remain single and not have babies and not want to be in relationships where women very much in those countries are holding men to higher standards and protesting against the way that um, they feel they've been treated. Mm. So they may feel like, one, women are not accessible or, two, they just don't have time with, with work. There's no time at all Um for them to have a relationship, yet they seek and crave that connection and intimacy from someone. So, and a lot of people in those countries as well le- live independently. They live in really small places, completely alone. So, if you're working six a.m. till ten p.m., you may not get to go out and see people, talk to people, or have someone care about how your day was. Or maybe there's not enough people in the world that even know you exist. So, yeah, it's um. Or maybe no. you've never left, you're in America and you've never left your parents' basement and gone out and, you know, been around <laughs> town yeah, meeting sure people there's... or maybe you have severe social anxiety and you have or agoraphobia. That, that yeah. could be another one where you fear leaving your home. Yeah, we do have really so many reasons. socialization processes yeah. for people. Um, and in the East Asian countries, they are well ahead of the curve. And then what I'm assuming happens is that, Okay, if you're a teenage boy that's grown up fantasizing about like like what we talked mm. about on a podcast a few weeks ago, if you've if you've grown up and, and your first experiences of uh, attraction and arousal are with these fictional characters, and you you know that's training your your body with the responses from your nervous system to have a certain character and provide you with that intimacy. And then you can't go back at that point because, as you say, these characters, they don't talk back. They are, what, double D schoolgirl looking things yeah. that, and they always yeah. have those big eyes and the slow motion. Yeah. And then, you know, when yeah. you look at Japanese porn, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so weirdly childlike, uh, yeah. in some yeah. ways. And, you can't go back at that point, especially if you've then spent the next 10 years just uh, dedicating your life to uh, being in love with this fictional character. You might be in your 20s, might, maybe even your 30s, where you haven't developed any social skills whatsoever and you have this perfect anime character that's providing you all this intimacy. And then if you try and actually interact with real-life women, they're not going to be anything like that because this is a fantasy. And mm-hmm. also you're so far behind in the social development process that, well, they're going to be disgusted by you as well and so uh it's 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 a mess that some of those countries are in i don't don't know how many men are they've got a term for that in japan there's something man i've I've forgotten i might google that later but Mm. um there's there's a lot of people millennials that are in sort of single dwellings very small apartments in big metropolises in these east asian countries and they work exorbitant hours and they do have that sense of you know duty and honor, and and they do they work very hard. That's why they've yeah. all been able to build these incredible corporations in those countries. Uh, but just the sacrifice they've made socially and and culturally, it might not be something they can even come back from. Um, the guy a lot of people are talking about now, and I, I watched some of his videos. It's also some criticism of him on, on YouTube at Peter Zihan. He says that in, in another 20 or 30 years, China's population will half. And ch- the Chinese government right now, have <laughs> they've banned effeminate men on their media. <laughs> so uh, they don't allow men in makeup or it, it, dancing or in any kind of, you know, superficially feminine yeah. 
uh, context to be displayed to their uh, boys and, and men. And then they're, if I remember correctly, I think they're employing a consultancy firm to help men become more masculine and just socially yeah. intelligent. And in Japan, they, uh, the prime minister did a big speech recently about how much of an existential threat their declining population is. Their population already is declining. And it's too, it's, it's too far gone at this point. If someone's, if people are in their thirties and haven't developed socially in, in the way that you would expect someone to, in order to be able to interact with the opposite sex, what's well, just, you can't, you can't retrain someone that quickly. You yeah. almost have to start yeah. from scratch from the new generation. And then that's going to take another 20 plus years before the positives of that even kick in. So there's a, there's a, so there's much, a, it's yeah. a sad state in some of those countries yeah. and uh, yeah. maybe AI and robotics can fill the void that will at least be left by the, the uh, dwindling pool of human labor, but just culturally, socially, psychologically, I just, it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem good there. It's, it almost does yeah. seem like a sort of weird commercialistic dystopia. Even the images you yeah. see of Japan and Korea, all those big flashing lights and all their products have those, they always have those anime eyes on everything and the little, yeah. it's all very sort of cutesy and little kind of cute animal Pokemon little things. And then yet everyone's like depressed and in an apartment living by themselves. Like it's, <laughs> doesn't sound good. And then that's also brewing all this kind of militaristic sentiment in China where I'm sure Xi Jinping is thinking, well, this is why we've got to invade well, part of it, at least, so he's got a much more justification for this. But we got to we got to do something here because we're not going down a good path culturally. Bang, yeah. that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, I, I I suppose I do have a very critical <laughs> um, and condemning reaction to this. Uh, well, and fair enough. I think most yeah. people like there's something that's really uncomfortable with the concept of it, and especially when you think about you know the sexual nature of it. Well, I did forget to say that a lot of people, not majority, but there are some people that are asexual and that's another reason why they're drawn to this where they can get that emotional fulfilment without the sexual strings attached and they're finding it hard to meet other asexual people. But I think that it could, it almost is like to me a reverse disassociative identity disorder where when, you know, you've had a, trauma and when you have DID you create altars of someone that might protect you they might be the protector or the nurturer and in this way you're projecting what you need in order to have your needs met rather than it being fronting up as a new altar or person or identity it's someone that you project on someone something else where it's like I need a nurturer or I needed someone that was blunt and dismissive like Squidward, um, you know, all these kind of things that I feel like it's people are needing to understand what is the need that is going to be being met, that needs to be being met. Is it just companionship? Is there more than that? But also is society and the, or the culture that they live in providing them opportunities to have that need met? Um, so it's, extremely um i don't want to say that it's extremely sad because so many people in this community when you read it it's it's all full of joy which is um really interesting for me to read everyone no one talks about how and why it started i went really far into the subreddit wow. but everyone just says how did you and your significant other meet how what are you guys doing on the weekend how what do you guys like to eat together what movies do you watch together like it's so friendly and enthusiastic no one goes beyond that surface level like basically just saying hey this is a community where I accept you and I'm going to acknowledge that you, this person is real for you or this love connection is a real love connection for you when most people in your real life would deny it. Um, and there's no denying, like you can't deny that they probably are genuinely in love in the same way that there's people that are in love with their cars sexually and there's a woman that's <laughs> married to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> so yeah. YouTube that if you haven't watched it. Like sometimes love can be misplaced and I don't know what the psychological phenomena is. Maybe it doesn't yet exist but um, or maybe it does and I just can't remember but – 
love at definite times can be um, just non-exist or it's a paraphernalia where it's inappropriate or uncommon or abnormal um, in the same way that pedophilia is, which I'm not connecting the two at all. I'm just saying both are abnormal ways of loving um, or attract or having attraction and who knows why our brain does that sometimes. Yeah, that's a, that's a, they're all yeah. valid points. Um, I'm sure you're right that there's a, there must be some huge psychological void occurring in many of these people's, you know, quote unquote real lives that's causing this, but also it could just be, you know, with, with billions of people on the planet, there's always going to be, um, just genetic, uh, combinations that are seemingly quite abnormal and, and different and, something has occurred intrinsically that has caused someone to mm. project love onto a um animated fictional character um but you're right I, I suppose the closest the closest that would be considered normal would be an obsession with a celebrity mm. having said that celebrities are real well they're they're there are there's a real person behind the veil of that celebrity and mm. Mm. you could argue, well, what's that, what's so different if someone's got posters of Harry Styles everywhere and they just don't want to date anyone, they just love Harry Styles and, and are yeah. creating fan fiction about them and have a sort of this kind of pseudo-intimate relationship with the idea of Harry Styles. Uh, that wouldn't be perceived, would still mm. definitely be considered weird, but it's not out of the realm of normality maybe, um, particularly if it's a teenage girl or someone in their early 20s yeah. and with um with men I don't I just there are men who get well violently obsessed with uh female celebrities and it's quite a dangerous thing so maybe you could even argue well if they if they have yeah. a proclivity to obsess over yeah. uh entities that are uh high status in a you know commercial slash virtual world then it's better off they're obsessed with entities that are fictional because then yeah. that obsession <laughs> yeah, could otherwise true. be directed towards a r- real female celebrity. And, mm. yeah, female celebrities, almost all of them have some weird stalkers and it's pretty uncomfortable for them. So, yeah, all of yeah. this just stems from the this growing cohort of, of lonely, um, just meaningless nihilistic men who are just not developing properly socially and some of it are just like yeah of course neuro people who might be neurodivergent and people who might not you you know it's not fair to just and women sure and women as well um sorry but yeah uh it's it's, i'm also just coming across as well though which I didn't, I wasn't really all over till just now. I just saw this on Reddit was that people have, they call them daughteroos or sunus. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but instead of waifu, they have, they create or find um, sons and daughters to have and oh, said that. That's really sad. He says, you don't decide on which character to do, to adopt, you feel it. You meet a character and feel an overwhelming sense to protect them and help them grow. It comes naturally. So I don't believe made-up characters count since you're not meeting them. You're creating to be exactly what that was in response to a question. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of people have their sons and daughters and then someone else posted saying that leaving your daughteru or sonu is feels the same as abandoning your child in real life. That's how deep the connection is. Where that to me teeters into more of a severe um, maladaptive coping mechanism for something deeper. Um, what happened yeah. to Japan? Well, 100, yeah. 150 years ago, there were samurais who would, you know, walk in a battle knowing that they're going to die and, and kill themselves <laughs> if they dishonored their army. And then even in World War II, not saying this was good, but. They were very brave, selfless people, <laughs> and now they're in apartments falling in love with anime characters. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I didn't even realize that that was a thing, creating children and how much time 
would these people dedicate to their family, their fictional families? Would they be homeschooling these children? Um, are they sitting there and teaching them how to talk or learn or potty training? Like who knows how far it goes? That's something I wish I'd found more, looked at more in advance so I could have seen how far that goes. But I don't know. I don't think it's that common, but it's interesting to see that um, that occurs. And it is also interesting for me to see that people are in relationships with these same characters for 10, 15, 20 years, remaining completely loyal to them. Um, so, That's yeah, it's good on them. And if anyone is in it, please, in a relationship like this, please tell me. Um, I'd love to know where this stemmed from. I'm so curious about it because um, I'm sure there are some people where there's no, there's none of those, there's no social issues, there's no neurodivergency that they're aware of or there's no trauma. It's just the way they prefer to do things. Um, do, do you think where this is a very broad question but I suppose relating it more specifically to this topic, do you think as a society we're too afraid of conflict but also of shaming others and usually that conversation is in response to people who have different sexualities or want to express their gender differently. But I just can't, maybe I'm not as nice a person as you, but I, I can't see how any other, any other response than just making fun of someone who's falling in love with an anime character is what, an, you know, just like a, a group of people would would do, I, I'm just thinking about, say, my high school or, you know, the people I'm around. If someone yeah. came came along saying, I'm in love with an anime character, I mean, do we have to validate that? Or is there <laughs> room to say, dude, this is, this is just weird. Get it together. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, because I know that if I imagine a client coming to me about this, I would feel more inclined to just unpack it with a from a space of curiosity um, and I would probably lean towards validating it. I did come across um, a um, a forum where people are saying basically this question, like shouldn't we be almost shaming these people or confronting them at the very least into realising how inappropriate um, this is or even just unsafe for their own mental well-being and then – their replies to that were very mixed. Some were like, yeah, we should. And others were like, well, they're not really harming anyone, potentially themselves, but they feel the most happy and fulfilled. So why not just let them be? There's worse things that happen, which of course there are. But I do think of, um, what's his name? The guy that wrote The Coddling of the American Mind, Brett? Jonathan Haidt, yeah. I'm reading his other book right now. The um, It's one about just, I should know the title of it. I'm reading it right now, but... Story of my uh, the righteous life. mind, the righteous mind. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 And he he believes and the premise of oh, a lot of the theme of that book, The Coddling of the American Mind, is that when we protect people, especially children, but people so much from bullying or adversity that they're, we're actually diminishing their ability to have resilience and that this is a essential part of human nature is to allow conflicting opinions, to allow confrontation and things like that. It's, it is important. Um, so in that sense, maybe it is important that people question that, but I'm sure that most people they speak to will be met with <laughs> questions or bullying um, or something about it. That woman that posted, um, which is, I think this is interesting, is that woman that posted the screenshot about how she reached out to the creator of the fictional character asking her permission, his permission to marry this character, she she quest, she posed the post saying, like, this is to all the haters. So she's been getting called out <laughs> and then she reached out to the creator as a fuck you. See, <laughs> I got permission. I got his blessing. That's how <sighs> real this is. So... Maybe that pushing them and confronting them is only going to pull them the other way. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you're that far gone at that point, yeah, yeah, confronting someone is not going to help them. But early on in their journey, I suppose if they're so socially isolated, no one's interacting with them anyway. So uh, you you could uh, just make the argument that um, shame was like an evolutionarily psychological mechanism to 
increase the uh, strength and the resilience of the given tribe. And if someone was saying, oh, look, I'm falling in love with this animated character, the natural shame response from the collective would kick in saying, hey, this is going to damage. Yeah, it doesn't hurt you individually. You can fall in love with this fictional character and feel fulfilled, but it hurts the the overall strength and camaraderie of the tribe if yeah. suddenly people just start ostracizing themselves and and it it also kind of leads to the bigger question of is our innate primal instinct to procreate and have families is that now evolving or changing or dying <laughs> um where we have that drive to meet someone and procreate with them and i came across a stat and i think it was from I can't remember what country, maybe the UK, something, I can't remember where, but it was one in five women in the last few years that have had children regret having children in a Western country. Um, And one in five is quite big to think that's That's the regret. And then think about the other two or three out of five that don't regret it but don't enjoy it or aren't fulfilled by it. Um, So it it is interesting to say, well, do these men – have no desire to find partners to um, have babies with. But then again. They have a desire for intimacy. They're, they're falling yeah. in love. Yeah, and, and, and what about gay people? <laughs> they may not yeah. have desire for procreation or asexual people and maybe this is just another, you know, kind of caveat of that, just a little branch away from I don't want this isn't the life I see for myself. I don't want to say all gay people don't want children. Obviously many do, but you know, many don't. Um, just the same with us. So who knows how that's evolving? Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if uh, my guess would be that there is, we have our biological compulsions and for the vast majority of people, those would be, you know, just basic Darwinian drives for food, sex and, it's more we'd, we'd probably have the drive for sex and then the procreation is a consequence of that and some people might have more of a proclivity to uh, nurture and care for yeah. the young but uh, what's happening in society to make people regret some of those choices and mm. uh, cause them a lot of distress if they're engaging in behaviours that might be natural to them or you're right, maybe that maybe that is evolving and... People don't actually want to do that because uh, conversely to, to that statistic, which is very interesting, uh, I, in this documentary, um, 80%, I, I talked about this in that podcast we did, involuntary childlessness, and I actually got that wrong. It was not 80% of people who didn't have children would have otherwise wanted to have children. It was 80% of women who yeah. didn't have children the question I think was framed like if, if circumstances were appropriate, would you have liked to have children? They said yes. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're depressed and yeah. regretting yeah. their life choices. But if there were if there was an appropriate yeah. partner, if and this yeah. is not including those who were uh, unable to do it medically. So there was another ten yeah. percent that couldn't wanted to, couldn't do right. it because of medical reasons. This is eighty percent who well yeah. were by all accounts fertile in their window but there were just other circumstances that uh prevented them from yeah yeah, having and and look i wouldn't blame these east asian women for think well do i have to marry this guy who's sitting at home falling in love with an anime character i'd be single too Mm. so it's not just uh, the men talk about this issue thinking well women have these high standards well like what how low do you want their standards to be yeah, if you, you want them to marry point. a guy who's yeah. sitting there falling in love with an anime character in his 30s, well, no, I wouldn't want any of the women in my life to, ma- if that was the only option, stay childless. <laughs> well, that's not even yeah. a choice. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's a... To be competing with a fictional character, it just blows my mind to think, God, I'm, I always say this, but I'm so scared for when robots become a thing and AI is even more developed Able, you can literally create the perfect partner. There are already sex robots that exist that you can program their voice, you can program if they're dominant, if they're like sweet, kind, if how short or tall they are, what their bodies look like. It's just 
think like imagine if you add AI into that robot where they talk intuitively rather than you and dedicate like and functioning just, that and they yeah. know your data and then that's all these companies that have yeah. taken your data from all the apps you've used yeah. for 20, 30 years now have AI bots knowing exactly yeah. what you want to talk about. Yeah, and, and interacting then facial with you. recognition to see what you um, oh. what dilates your pupils and excites you. God, it's like the world is just going to make us more and more. I, we always get off to yeah, this existential tangent. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so true though. And I came across this concept on, um, on I actually came across it on TikTok where people were talking about the third place no longer exists. So they'd say like you have your home and you have your work or your school or your uni and then usually you'd have a third place, like a bar you'd always go to, a cafe, so somewhere you go to meet and hang out. And now people don't have that third place anymore. They've got work and they've got home. And that's then that third so place true. has been replaced with social media or um, technology. And it's like it's only further and further bringing us to isolate ourselves where we will no longer wonder, okay, I'm going to go on a tangent. We're not going to be like human anymore. We'll be like just living in AI and it's going to be the matrix or something like well said that that that's crazy so the third place that's very yeah. accurate that's an acute observation uh, yeah it's so sad and so scary um, well what what will maybe happen is the is uh groups and communities that still have a shame mechanism for this technology that's evolving at such a rapid pace may even have an evolutionary advantage at this point so say the Amish communities in America yeah. could get to a point where everyone else is just in love with these waifus and advanced yeah. AI and then they all die out whereas this Amish community prospers. They they keep going because they, ha- they, yeah. they, they don't even have electricity, I don't think. I don't know where they're at. Um, but then also other sort of – there's this movement towards naturalism a little bit where there are people who are moving – if they can afford it, moving out to Central America or like yeah. decentralizing and then, you know, using cryptocurrency and – uh, wanting to live more of a sort of natural, holistic, community-based life. And I think communities like that are uh, not just um, positive, they're necessary as a boon against this uh, complete unknown of rapidly advancing technology. Yeah. And, you know, if I had means necessary, I probably would move out to maybe not totally rural but a smaller community. The thing is in Australia, I actually, from what I've seen based on the projections of climate change, that's the the main reason I'm not doing it. Um, oh. Some of these smaller farms and communities in Australia, they're yeah. just they're just going to be exposed to just so many bushfires and floods. Yeah. It's just not even yeah. – you're just better off being in a big city in our country. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about this for the next eight hours now, but yeah, having right. discussions with Adrian on how we're going to raise a Remy. I always go down these roads and he's like, fuck, well, I mean, I, go again. I, yeah, I don't envy you being in that position. I mean, yeah. hopefully in the yeah. next 10 years before he starts developing the you know the initial feelings of attraction and whatever, he there's some sort of intervention or um, regulation that occurs and you don't have to traverse this minefield. If, I, I've, if you had a teenage boy, it, it's – you know, what do you do? Because you don't want to um, ostracize him socially by denying him any access to video yeah. games and the internet. But at yeah. the same time, we know how dangerous this is. And even if it's not necessarily dangerous, it's the opportunity cost of all the skills he could be learning, all the, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to sound cliche, the adventures outdoor that he could be having <laughs> um, instead yeah. just online. And there's some positives to video games and uh, finding a community online, but I just think the negatives far outweigh the positives, particularly on a macro societal level. So, uh, yeah, I don't envy you being a mother of a boy. I, yeah. He's pretty young right now, but I don't. I wouldn't envy any uh, parents of teenage and adolescent boys and girls right now because what do you do at this point? There's, there doesn't yeah. seem to be a. Yeah. I, I think there's got to be some independent schools that just start saying. We're a totally phone-free school. That means not just at school. They're not allowed to have a phone. They, we don't do yeah. anything online. We yeah. just yeah. we highly encourage parents to just get rid of it as well. And then there's a community of, you know, they're not socially um, pressured into getting a phone and TikTok because no one else yeah. at the school has it. That's and- what um, I want to send Remy to the Central Coast Steiner School, which is that's basically the premise of it. Um, but Adrian, Adrian, there's something like very uncomfortable with him 
doing that because he's like 50% of – someone told him that 50% of them are like full-blown hippies and then the other 50% are like yeah. rich, woke parents um, yeah. <laughs> that – or like dinosaur. kids of psychologists. <laughs> yeah. So who knows what crowd he'll end up in there. But, yeah, it's – I think about it all the time. And what I liked when I moved up the Central Coast was how much I saw kids – on their bikes around the streets playing um, out and about heaps. But then um, then I noticed those kids were also the ones that were robbing our cars. <laughs> well, so at, this point, at this point, it's like, you know what? It's better. Better, better. He's learning skills, <laughs> learning how to ride a bike, yeah. learning how to be resourceful and rob people. <laughs> and in the apocalypse, he'll be fine. So yeah, exactly. at this point, you'd honestly be yeah. less scared if they, because that's, you know, okay, that's not a normal teenage thing to do. It's a normal delinquent thing. There were always teenage groups yeah. that would try and roll, you know, even my friends went and would go into convenience stores, try to take Freddo's or whatever. Ah, that's so gangster. But um, <laughs> that, it's, it shouldn't be normal, but there's a sort of delinquent phase a lot of young boys can go through. And maybe yeah. they rebel by listening to uh, rap music or punk rock or yeah, yeah, acting uh, anti-socially. Yeah. They're just toying with their individualism at that point. Mm. So as long as that's controlled, you know, if they're going, if they're going into like doing break and enters, yeah, that's obviously there's some severe issues there. But um, I don't know, if they do like petty theft. Yeah, they should be punished. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I don't think that's cause for, you know, catastrophic worry if your teenage son yeah, yeah. steals a Freddo frog or something. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, true. It's funny how so many people are – Remy's only – he's when this podcast comes out, he'll be just on eight months. And um, so many people are, like, shocked that I don't let him watch any TV or any, have any technology. I don't even let him play with toys with batteries or lights. Like he's completely technology free, except for when I have to cut his fingernails. He can watch two minutes of something that's on in the background, usually like an aquarium. Um, but everyone's like, why are you doing that? He's going to have to learn about technology. He's going to have to learn how to use it. And I'm like, well, he's eight months old. He doesn't need to <laughs> know how to use that yet. And also kids pick up on that so fast. Like they'll you'll learn it in a day basically. But it just... What's interesting to me about that is how many people find that shocking. I'm um, like a- any book, any research. I have that book from 2008, this book, The Cyber Effect, was written. And even that had crazy data about kids that had access to technology from infancy. And I'm like, think about how much that's even developed now that we as parents have technology in our hands constantly, 24 hours a day almost, that, or any waking time. But yeah, people just are like, well, this is the way the world is. So they're letting their kids do all these things. And then mm. they wonder why at five or six years old, they're getting diagnosed with ADHD or having sight issues, uh, postural issues, all these things. So oh. it is not to shame anyone, but it is um, <laughs> not to shame well, anyone, but I'm shaming you. Uh, that felt, I'm sorry, that sounded snobby. But, you know, it is, um, it is sad the lack of knowledge because it's so normal. It's so normalized that it's almost abnormal to not do that. Crazy days. No, like I said, I don't I don't yeah. uh, envy anyone who's a parent right now. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have kids eventually, but I hope they can figure some of this technolog- technological stuff out. But it looks like it's just yeah. getting worse and it's just getting out of our hands. But what you said there would be a good um, springboard into what we're going to talk about next week, which uh, – because as I was reading mm. through this waifuism stuff, I wanted to do a podcast on the the limits to personal freedom. So we tend to have this ethos in society where, hey, if you if you're not hurting anyone with what you want to do with whatever proclivities you may have, go for it. Um, and we we should we should rid the the community and the world of shame. We shouldn't be shaming others, especially if it's not something that's hurting other people. Say, for example, like what you just said, uh, parents who might let their kids be on the iPad for 10 hours a day, well, is that is that hurting anyone? Um, do, should Who's in the wrong there, the parent doing that or the person shaming mm. that parent? And so I think uh, there's a lot to talk about um, mm. on that topic, which uh, I want to dive yeah. into next week. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, uh, I might do some more reading on waifuism. I don't know if I want to, but uh, Eliza was very 
uh, had, a, had a good, nice objective and yeah, uh, <laughs> reasonable stance on all this. Whereas I was definitely far more critical and emotional about it, if anything. So that, that's be, what makes our duo great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we uh, have reasonable disagreements. So um, I hope you enjoyed that podcast and. Uh, thank you for listening. I mentioned uh, in the first three minutes we are looking for some new sponsors. So if you want to sponsor this podcast and start off with a very cheap rate, um, just an introductory period, hit me up, neil.business at outlook.com and we can uh, look into that. And follow us on all socials. Share this podcast if you can. That's the best, still the best way to build a podcast by telling your friends about it, sharing it on social media and we will see you next time see you next week